So we're kicking off a series this weekend. Not typical to kick off a series on Memorial Day weekend, but it seemed appropriate on Memorial Day weekend to kick off a series called Man Up. Look at a man nearby you and say, man up. Wives, I didn't say to say anything else. It was just just two words. Two words. That was it. Man up. And some of you might say, well, why, why a series on men? Like we are going to unapologetically for the next, I don't know, four or five weeks all the way up to Father's Day. Um, we are going to unapologetically preach to men. And so you might say, well, why are you, by the way, women, you're going to get plenty out of this. I promise you. Just filter it for you. But I, I'm not going to like through the message. So this applies to men and this applies to women. We're not going to do that. I'm going to preach to men. And why would we do that? Because the bottom line is when men make a decision to man up, everyone benefits. Everyone benefits. When the character and a health and the health of a man increases, everything attached to his life increases. But the converse of that is also true. That the dysfunction and the chaos and the brokenness of male culture, the unhealthy nature of men in general. I, I know I'm generalizing a whole lot, but if you're really going to argue this point, I mean, come on. The brokenness of male culture. When there's broken men, there's broken culture. When there's unhealthy men, there's unhealthy culture. When there's unhealthy dads and husbands, there's unhealthy families. And so when we speak to men, what breaks the brokenness, the power of that, is men stepping up, men rising up, men taking full responsibility to be and to do everything that God has called them to be and to do. If you look Historically in our country, and you look at the uh, generational cycles, you look at the broken uh, functions of our society, whether it's violence or abuse or lying and deceit. So many of these things are rooted in the brokenness of men. And so, how many think we can break that? One strong healthy, fully devoted to Jesus, follower of Christ kind of man at a time. Because what if we had the kind of men that when they walked into the room, they brought strength and hope and power with them every time they walked into the room? Because I'll tell you, that is God's design. That is God's design, that men are called to a role. Men are held to a higher level of accountability that we are to set a standard. And through this series, our hope is that we are going to set a new standard. You are going to be challenged. You're going to be, have your your toes stepped on a little bit. I don't even like that. Pastor and I, we're going to come up and be like, boom, boom, boom. Take that. And here's the thing. Let me just say this. Fellas, 
I'm one of you. So it's not like I'm preaching at you. It's not like I'm going to stand up here and beat the crap out of you because that doesn't serve me or you very well. But what I am going to do is I'm going to sound the call for us to rise up and to be everything God created us to be, to take that responsibility because no one else can do that for you. I mean, somebody can look at you a minute ago and say, man up, but they can't make that choice for you. You have to make that choice. So that's why we're going to preach to men over the next several weeks. And I figured there's no better way to get started in a man up series than a good man kind of movie, a good guy movie. So how many of you have seen the movie, The Patriots with Mel Gibson? Okay, lots of you. Um, This movie is 18 years old. So the real test, how many of you watched that movie in the last year? Just a rerun probably on cable. I'm just curious. Okay, yes. Um, It's a pretty intense movie, right? Uh, Here, let me give you, for those that haven't seen it, in my best movie narrator voice, a widowed farmer, Mel Gibson, with a brave but brutal military pass, decides not to join up when the British arrive in 1776. However, when his son enlists and is later captured by the enemy, the former soldier must abandon his newfound pacifist principles in order to rescue his oldest child and then forms a regiment of Carolina Patriots whose guerrilla tactics prove pivotal to the U.S. war effort. Um, So if violence isn't your thing, yeah, I wouldn't recommend this movie. It's kind of some pretty intense battle scenes, a little bit gruesome at times, so it's not why I'm talking about the movie. Um, Ladies, have you ever wondered why guys like guy movies, like the blood and the guts and the shooting and the, the good guys always winning in the end? Can I tell you why? Because God created us with a warrior spirit on the inside of us. He created us to fight for and protect what we love. And we don't get to walk around with swords strapped to our hips and guns shooting bad guys all the time. So we like to watch movies where we can see other people do it. Can I get an amen, fellas? Come, whoa, whoa. Did you hear that? Like... Like, I never get that much amen in from the men. We should preach to men more often. So that's why we like to to watch these movies, um, because we like to vicariously live through what we see in these movies. And so God did. He put something on the inside of us that we want to fight for what we love. We want to protect. God has entrusted things to you, men, whether that's your gifts and talent and calling or your family. He's given you an entrustment. And, and you have the responsibility to take care of that for which he has entrusted you. And only you can do that. Um, so when you get into this movie, let me, let me, so like there's a, if you re- watch the whole trailer in the title sequence, like there's like these big words that come up across the screen towards the end. Like it's kind of getting to the end of the climax. And it says, before they were soldiers. How's my movie voice? Jacoby, you like my movie voice? All right. Before they were soldiers, they were family. Before they were legends, they were heroes. And before there was a nation, there was a fight for freedom. Sorry, that was this other movie. And if you ask any man in this room, hey, do you ever think about like being heroic? Would you you even like to be legendary? 
I mean, they may play it off and be like, nah, nah, but they are lying (laughs) because it is built into every single man that we want to be the hero, that we want to be legendary. And now that I'm not proposing we all suit up and enlist and go off to war and look for people to shoot, stab. No, I'm not proposing that. But what I am saying, every hero's journey, you know where it begins? Begins with a decision. Every hero's journey, every man who decides to man up, that journey begins with a decision. And to that point, I want to play a little movie clip for you from the beginning of the movie, The Patriot. And the British have showed up, right? And the militia is forming in response. And many of the men in the colonies who love freedom are in fact reluctant to join the militia to fight. And in this scene, we see a challenge, a call is issued for them to make a decision. Dan Scott, barely a week ago, I heard you rail for two hours about independence. Turn that up. Mr. Hardwick, how many times have I heard you speak of freedom at my father's table? Half the men in this church, including you, Father, and you, Reverend, are as ardent patriots as I. Will you now, when you are needed most, stop at only words? Is that the sort of men you are? ask only that you act upon the beliefs of which you have so strongly spoken and in which you so strongly believe. Who's with us? Heck yeah. Did anybody feel the testosterone levels rise in the room? Like, (laughs) felt it right there. I mean, did you hear some of those words? Will you be men who stop at just words? What sort of men are you? And she says, I'm only asking that you act on what what you so strongly believe. A challenge, a call to say it's not enough to believe something. 
It's not enough to say something, but there must be a response. There must be action that follows that belief, that follows those words. What's the Bible say? Faith without works is dead. And I don't know if you can see the correlation here. But if you look around our nation today, our wives and our children, our sisters and brothers, our church families, our workplaces, our communities, our nation, the structures of our society, they are not as strong as God intends them to be. I think that's putting it a bit mildly. Just making the observation. And because that is the case, there is a void. There is a need. The circumstances in which we are currently placed are dire. There is an enemy at the gates who intends to destroy you, your family, this nation. We're not talking about physical battles anymore. We just switched over to the spiritual, didn't we? Because the battle is real. The battle is intense. It is not for the faint-hearted who will respond to the call, who will rise up, step forward, and answer the call. But I, I just so happen to believe that there are some men in this room who are the sort of men who will respond to that call. And that's where I'm gonna push today. What sort of man are you? Are you the kind of man that will say you believe? Are you the kind of man that will take action that follows through with that belief? Are you the sort of man who will attend church on a Sunday morning but not lead your family during the week? Are you the sort of man who will say, I'm a Christian but then be deceitful in your workplace? Or are you the sort of man who will step out of meekness and timidness and obscurity and fear and excuses, who will stop playing small and weak and instead step forward and man up. Look at somebody again, just tell them, man up. So there's a story in the Bible that really resonates with this call to a nation for men to rise up. You didn't think I was just going to preach a movie, did you? Some of you were getting nervous. So Genesis 6, there's a story of a man who had to fill a gap, who had to rise above what was happening among his people, really among the entire world. Noah, in my nose store, Noah in a big boat, right? So we're going to read from Genesis 6 and see what we can learn about the need and the requirement of men to step up, to man up. Genesis 6, verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Everybody say, and his family. Men, ain't nothing you doing affecting only you. There are people counting on you. This is the account of Noah 
and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people of the earth had corrupted their ways. Let me just pause here for a moment. Do you see the, the scene? Evil, corruption, violence. People had been given the power to choose and they had not chosen wisely. They had chosen to turn their back on God. Many had probably born in generations where they did not even speak of God in Noah's day. And they had cascaded into darkness, into utter ruin. And that was the circumstance. I don't think it's a stretch to say, let's look at our own society. And where are we at? Talks of violence in Noah's day. School shootings, acts of terrorism, domestic violence, wars, bombings. We're seeing violence in the land today. It talks of corruption. And unfortunately, honorable Men full of integrity are not the norm. What is the norm is deception and deceit. And some people say, no, it's, it's not totally lying. It's just a little lie. No, yeah. it's all deception. Yeah. That's more the norm than honor and integrity. You look at evil in the world today. I'll be honest, I don't watch too much news or read too much newspapers. Just enough to be a, a responsible citizen. I do. But so much of what is reported in the news today can quickly become oppressive in a spiritual way. There's evil in our world today. And when you think of people being far from God and forgetting that there is one true God, it's all the rage to talk about your truth and my truth. Hey, what's your truth? Drives me crazy. But we live in a world a post-Christian nation where truth is not one truth any longer. It used to be the norm to acknowledge that there is one true God, that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for the penalty of our sin. And three days later, he resurrected from the grave to redeem us, to buy us back from the power of sin and death so that we could live forgiven and full of grace and mercy and love and change the world for him. That used to be the norm, but it is no longer the norm. And so we must acknowledge the days in which we are living. Anybody feeling all warm and fuzzy now? Sometimes you have to give the contrast before you can give the power of the other side of it. And that's what we're doing right now. That's what the scripture sets up. So let's keep going in that passage because those were the circumstances of Noah's day. You all are in agreement that we look around and we see many of those same circumstances today. What was God's response to those dire circumstances? The darkness, the evil, the corruption, the violence. What was God's response? All he needed was one man who was willing to step forward and be the light. One man who was willing to do the right thing. And that's what we see in verse 13. It says, so, so as a result of all this, so as a result of all these things, so... 
God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. For the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress word. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower and middle and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth. By the way, that had never happened before. Any kind of flood. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has breath of life in it. Everything on the earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you. And you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of living of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird and of every kind of animal and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. Men, there are some people that are going to be coming to you to be kept alive. To be kept alive. That is no small responsibility, men. Then it says, verse 21, you are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and stored away as food for you and for them. In verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. So let's just pull a couple real simple thoughts out of this story of Noah. I'm going to give you just two steps, not 62, not 10, just two steps if you want to choose to man up. Step number one is this, choose to answer the call. Make a decision. Make a decision. And by the way, a decision without action is just a wish. You can't decide something and not do something about it. That doesn't even qualify as a decision. That's just a hope and a wish. A decision by its very nature requires action. Now, this series is going to be extremely blunt. Um, we're not really going to pull punches. And that's because, men, are you ready to rise up? Are you ready to be the men that God's called you to be? Well, here's the thing. If we're going to be the men that God has called us to be, We must let go of our excuses. We must stop rationalizing our inaction. We've got to refuse to point fingers of blame at other people for the life that we currently have, for how we are leading the people around us. No one can do that for you. I don't care how strong your wife's faith is, Your family needs your faith. You have to make a choice to man up. You know, in the movie, that scene actually takes place, did you notice, on a Sunday morning with a preacher still standing in the pulpit. And uh, I kind of think that's appropriate, don't you? That that's where they went to recruit the militia. And those were ordinary men, dads and brothers and sons and friends. They were butchers and farmers and blacksmiths. They were ordinary men. 
But that day, they became soldiers that would become heroes. And how did that happen? They made a decision. They made a decision. I love how in the, in the scene in the movie, like literally the clip's two minutes long. She talks for a minute, and then after that, there are no more words. There's only decisions being made. And you kind of, the music kind of helps it a little bit, but you're kind of feeling the moment. And you see the men looking around to see what others are going to do. And you see the wives looking at the husbands to see what they're going to do. And you see this young son looking at his dad and the dad looking back at the son. Because that dad knows that he's got to make a choice and that his son's going to see him make that choice. And you feel the weight of the decisions being made. And one by one by one, they stand up. They man up. They rise to the occasion. And I hope that today we'll have some moments like that where you feel the weight of that silence. And you feel the weight of people watching you, men, to know what you're going to do. To see how you will respond. Because it's a choice only you can make. You know, you go back to Noah, and the Bible says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless among all the people of his time. Blameless. So Noah had already stepped up, right? He was set apart in a time of evil and violence. He'd already set himself apart. But now, now God's raising the bar just a little bit more. And he's saying, okay, Noah. I need you to do something that's never been done before. Build a boat. Not just any boat. A boat the size of a small mountain, Noah. I need you to do this. And I need you to do it based on something, the belief that something that's never happened in the earth before is actually going to happen. That floodwaters are going to come. That it's going to rain. These people had never seen rain. It was the dew of the earth that watered the plants and all that stuff. They'd never seen rain before. And so God is asking Noah, Noah, will you make a decision to be obedient, to do what I've asked you to do? And Noah came to a point where he had to make a decision. Will I make my decision based on what other people think? Or will I make my decision based on what my God thinks? Men, you've got to come to the same point of decision. How are you going to make the choices in your life to be and to do everything that God has called you to be and to do? What weighs heavier in your mind and in your heart? Do you care that much about what other people think? Or are you ready to be who God has called you to be? It's time for some men to stop making excuses and conforming to the pattern of this world. Like, I'm just gonna tell you, your excuses, men, they mean nothing to God. They mean nothing to your, to your wife, your friends, your kids, your coworkers. Like those excuses have no weight because at the end of the day, you and you alone have to take responsibility. You can't point a finger at anybody else. We've got to stop living in denial. Mm, that's a big one, huh? Because sometimes as men, we like to stick our head in the sand and act as if our decisions are having no effect on other people. 
We like to stick our head in the sand and say, no, my wife can take that spiritual leadership role in our home. She's so spiritual. She's more sensitive. She's more in tune with God. I I don't need to do that. We live in denial. And guys, we got to stop living in denial. What you do matters. It matters. And unfortunately, when it comes to taking full responsibility for our lives, we live in a society where that is not normal. We live in a society where 95% of the people you come in contact with, they're going to put, their default is to blame other people. It is to play the victim. Poor me. Oh me. Oh my. I can't, I can't do anything about it. This is where I was born. Or this is what happened to me when I was a kid. Or this is the education that I have. And play the victim, play the victim, play the victim. And so if we are going to man up and be who God has called us to be, we must be the exception to the norm of our society. We've got to choose to be the exception. Nobody else can choose that for us. And so it comes to decision. You know, I look back here at Kobe and Elon standing up here. I mean, was he not awesome over here? Like the whole, like he he was getting down over here today. I like that now, you know, sometimes he's on the guitar, sometimes he's just on the mic. Now at least, uh, you know, working with the skills, you know, kind of expanding into the gifting. This is mom on the front row. But do you think Elon is going to remember these moments? Oh, yeah. Do you think Elon will, at his level of recognition... And however he can understand it. But do you think he's going to remember getting here early for worship practice? And getting up on that stage? And Pastor Rory, our worship pastor, is not here today. And that's like his favorite. Other than maybe Kobe and then Pastor Rory's right there. Like he wants to be Pastor Rory when he wakes up or when he grows up. And uh, do you think he's going to remember these moments? Looking up to a dad. Sitting on daddy's lap while he was on like. Nothing can replace that. And can I tell you, men, people are watching you whether you realize it or not. You might not be a dad. I'm not, I'm not just preaching dads, but people are watching you. People are watching you. Chris Burton sitting on the front row. He's the sheriff in Jesmond County. Thank you for your service. But like when you walk in a room, Chris, and you've got that uniform on, and you're aware of this, I know, but like all of a sudden there is a standard that is set for you. And they're watching. You're supposed to be the friendly neighborhood policeman, you know? Like you have, a, you have to be nice to kids. And like there's a responsibility, but you might not be wearing a uniform, people. But people are watching you whether you realize it or not. And so that's the first step. Step number one, you've got to make a decision. Everything in your life. All the greatness that God has placed in you, everything starts with a decision. But it doesn't stop there. It does not stop there because words are not enough. And so step number two, you've got to move from words to action. Um, As I was preparing this message and getting into the story of Noah, there was this massive, mind-blowing recognition, revelation, whatever you want to call it. But when you read the narrative 
Uh, in Genesis 6 all the way up to chapter 10, that's where you get the story of Noah and his family and the ark and all those things. And when you read, you see a lot of God said. In fact, the verses we read, verse 13, I read it to you. He says, so God said to Noah, and, and I know those were some long verses there, the description of the ark. and all, Like that was a lot of stuff. Like there was a lot of information, a lot of detail, a lot of instruction God was giving to Noah. Did we hear Noah say anything there? Did he ask questions for clarification? Did he say, but God, there's never been rain. God, I understand you want to build a boat, but does it have to be that big? Did he say, hey, God, I mean, I can build a boat, but can we do it behind the big mountain so nobody knows? Because people are going to think I'm crazy. No, no. And God said to Noah, and then down in verse 22, and Noah, what's the next word? Noah did. Noah did. And then it says, everything that God commanded him to do. In fact, in the entire narrative of Noah in Genesis, not once through the instructions God gave him, through the building of the ark, through the rain coming down and the floodwaters coming, (coughs) all the time they spent on the ark, and then the floodwaters receding, and God telling them again, come out of the ark. Not once in any of that narrative does Noah say one word. Well, at least we're not told of any words that we said, he said. We're only told that Noah did everything God commanded him. I mean, perhaps Noah preached some great sermons to his family. I mean, come on, there had to be some days where his sons were like, dad, seriously, we're building the boat again? And maybe he got up and stepped up and preached an inspiring message to his kids. This is why we're doing it. We're following God. Maybe there were some moments when people started coming around heckling and, hey, Noah, how's the boat going? And maybe Noah stepped forward and said some inspiring speech of why he was doing what God told him to do. Maybe he did that. But you know what? That's not recorded in Scripture because it's not important. What is important, what changed the world, what put you and I right here in this day today is that Noah did everything that God told him to do. Man, we need to talk less and do more. We we do not need to tell everybody what we believe. We need to demonstrate it. We don't need to tell our wives and our kids how much we love them and what a priority they are to us. We need to show them. We don't need to talk in the workplace about integrity and honesty. We just need to live in integrity and honesty. We need to talk less and do more. See, it starts with the decision, but then that decision has to be followed by action. Um, You remember the line from the movie of what sort of men will you be? Will you stop at just words? See, the world does not need some men who are the sort of guys that say nice things. How many of you have talked to way too many men that they say nice things, but they don't do it? The world needs the sort of men who are ready to rise up, to man up, and do everything they said they're going to do. I mean, Noah, the ultimate demonstration of no argument, no rationalization, 
can't even say that. What's that word? Rationalization. Thank you, Michael. No rationalization of why or why not. He just did what God called him to do. Has anybody been to the ark? Go ahead and put that picture up there. Like the ark, like the big life-size ark. Like there it is. That's our intern team and a lot of the staff. Um, That's a big mama jamba. That sucker's huge. Like if you haven't been, highly recommend. Great experience. Um, It's three levels tall. It is massive. Do, Do you think that was easy to build? Do you think that was a quick project? Do do you think he had the full support of his community? Do you think he was understood by everybody watching what was going on? Do you think maybe perhaps he lost some relationships because of his gone crazy behavior of building a stinking ark? I think all those things and then some. Here's my point. God never told us that doing the right thing would be easy, man. He just commands us to do it even when it's hard. So God may ask you to do some hard things, men, but they're the right thing. And you've got to do the right thing every time. Now, no, hold on. I'm not saying you got to be perfect, okay? I myself, I'm a smidge away from perfection. In fact, to be transparent, this morning, uh, you guys are going to love this, this morning, walking out the door, going to get to church right when I wanted to. Actually, it was already a little late. Walking out the door, and the dog pooped in right in the middle of the hallway, right where got poop on my shoes. I was not, was not happy. I, I may have slammed a couple doors and kicked one of them. And thrown the dog back inside. It's not a shining moment for me, okay? So I'm not saying we have to be perfect men, but I was able to have a conversation because Jack and Ella rode in early with me. They're serving down in B Kids this morning. Um, and so I did have a moment to tell the kids, guys, daddy did not handle that well. <laughs> but I said, I, we also have a choice that we can allow that to affect the rest of the day or we can leave it back there and say, repent and ask for forgiveness, which I did for my kids and move on. Um, I had another moment. Wow, I didn't, twice this morning. I had to apologize to my kids. I had to apologize to my wife. I was in the shower this morning. I realized we'd had a conversation the other day and I had not taken into account her thoughts on the thing that we were deciding. And it turns out she was fully supportive of it, but I hadn't involved her in the decision. And so literally I had to apologize. Didn't have to, but I chose to apologize to my wife this morning because I didn't handle that situation well. I didn't love her well. And so I'm not telling you we gotta be perfect, but I am saying we have to make some decisions and follow those decisions up with actions, not just words. And so when we mess up, hey, don't condemn yourself and beat the snot out of yourself. That's not gonna serve you or them any. But if you can recognize it, repent, ask forgiveness if you need to, and then move on. And be the example that the people in your life need you to be. And so we've got to make decisions to do the things that, to be the sort of men that the people around us need us to be. Like Noah was set apart, we have to be set apart. Men, you've got to, let me just hit a few things. Men, we've got to be the kind of dads that our kids need us to be. 
We've got to be the kind of dads that show up at those school events when we tell them we're going to be there. Even if it's a choral concert that we're not excited about. (laughs) Here's one for you. You're going to love this one. We've got to be the type of dads who are fully present at the dinner table instead of being on our phones. Should I do the altar call now? (laughs) I'll be the first one there, okay? Still working, work in progress. We've got to be the type of dads who... Again, I don't get it right all the time, but admit when we're wrong. Thank the Lord, by the grace of Jesus, I admitted when I was wrong this morning. My foot kind of hurts from kicking the door, but I admitted when I was wrong. Men, we've got to be the kind of men who love our wives well and serve them well. By the way, that means you have to love her the way she wants to be loved, not the way you want to love her. Whoa. Charlton does a good job on that, by the way, but um, just a hint. I don't think I have too many young ears in the room. Um, Sex is not as important to her as it is to you. Nine times out of ten. I don't want to generalize too much, ladies, but uh, you can, if you correct me to your husband today, he's going to be real happy about that. But for most of them, they're saying amen right now, okay? So you got to love her through those acts of service and those, that quality time. You got to love her the way she needs to be loved and served, and you've got to do that. Um, You've got to be the kind of man that leads spiritually. I don't care if you got kids, wife, you got to lead spiritually wherever you're at for whoever's watching you. You've got to lead spiritually. You have to step up. That is a responsibility. The priest of your home, if you have a family, that you need to step up into. But people are watching you regardless. You know, we've got baptism after service, after one service at 10 a.m. next Sunday. We've got baptism. We're going to do it outside. It's going to be an amazing celebration. Some of you men, you haven't been baptized yet. It's time to man up. Man up, like go out there right after service at Central Hub and sign up to be baptized next Sunday. Um, Maybe your kids might get baptized with you. I don't know if they're ready for that, but step up, do that. Lead spiritually. You know what? Serving in the church is a big way to lead spiritually as well. Again, like I love this example of Jacoby and uh, Elon up here on the stage. You just can't, you you can't replace that. Um, You got to lead spiritually. Man up. Um, if you're going to be the sort of man who follows actions, you've got to do the hard things. You've got to do the right thing, even though it's hard. Things like, you know, I talked about this earlier, but like, be honest. I, mean, I know it's kind of bit basic, but don't lie. Don't marginally deceive people. How about we get a little more real? You've got to be the kind of man that says, I'm going to maintain a pure heart. I'm not going to look at pornography. Now I got quiet. I heard an argument recently about pornography being good for a relationship in moderation. This is the world in which we live. It has become normalized in our society. It's not normal. It's not holy. You need to stop doing it now. It's wrong. It's evil. It's exploitative. It corrupts your mind. Don't do it. Get filters on your computers. Buy a circle for the house that you know filters out that stuff. Get accountability. Tell people that you're having a struggle. Do the things you need to do so that you can do the right thing and yes. freaking man up. Yes. Yes. Smiling. Yeah. Come on. I'm telling you this because I love you. 
We've got to be the kind of men that do the right thing. Do the right thing. Look at somebody, just say, do the right thing. So, less talk, more action. By the way, ladies, I said I wasn't going to do this, but I'll go ahead and say it. It'd be a whole lot better if you talked less and did more. Come on. Some of you have been preaching at your husbands and your significant others and your kids, and it just you'd be a whole lot better off if you just started living that thing. If you just started loving unconditionally, being light, being hope, being grace, being a servant. Are the men feeling better now? Yeah, get them. <laughs> We're all going to benefit when we do more of what God has told us to do. How about we just go for, like Noah, everything that God commands us to do. If we'll do that, we don't have, we'll have to talk a whole lot less. And our, if, by the way, your words will have more power when you do finally speak up. Yeah. Last thing, and, and we'll close up here. Noah, when he, the whole narrative, all that, no, not a word, not a word, not a word, not a word, not a word. Then towards the end of his life, he has an unfortunate night where he planted a vineyard and then he decided to get drunk and whole thing happened and his son saw him naked and that was a big deal apparently and da, da, da. And so the first words, the only words that Noah utters in all of the, the narrative in Genesis, the first words out of his mouth was cur- a curse. He says, cursed be Cana. He would have been better off keeping his mouth shut, huh? Now, if that convicts you and you just got convicted and you realize that there's moments where you'd be better off keeping your mouth shut, just go ahead and I'm not asking for a raise of hands or anything. Well, sometimes we'd just be better off keeping our mouth shut and continuing to do what God told us to do. Even when it's hard, even when it's painful, even when people don't understand, we've got to do what he commands us to do. Can I get an amen? So here's where I want to bring this home. Men, are you ready to man up? What what sort of man are you going to be? Because people are watching you. People, see, this decision for you to man up is just not about you. It's about the people who are counting on you. To be obedient, to do the hard things, to follow your words with actions. You have to make that decision. 